How are you guys doing today? I'm really excited to be here. I'm doing good. Hey, uh, we're going to just celebrate moms and women today. I think that's a good thing to do, don't you? So I just want to I just want to share for just a minute. And my my sermon is is not really on Mother's Day, but I I think uh, you know some of it's really going to relate. But I really just want to connect in at the beginning here. You know, um, th- this is what it says in Genesis one. It says, "So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, "Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth." And subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Guess what? Men and women together are co rulers of this world. Women, moms, and when I say moms, I'm not just talking about mothers who are mothers physically, but also spiritually. We are called as the human race, men and women, to rule this world in a way to give God glory. Don't you agree? And, and so I am so glad that there are women in this world, aren't you? How many of you are glad there are women in this world? <laughs> I am glad that there was the first woman that ruled the world with Adam. I am glad that there are women like Mary who parented and led Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Aren't you? I am glad of women that are in the New Testament church that answered the call that God has placed in their life. And because of that, we want to we honor women. We want to honor moms, both physically and spiritually, for what you do in this world, because you do something spectacular. I know that if it wasn't for my wife, I would be a lot stupider. <laughs> I'm just sorry to tell you. You know, uh, my wife said I, I, I was a, a buffalo in a china shop uh, when, when she first met me, and, and she's honed off some edges, just a few, not all of them, but just a few, and, and, and really brought great improvement in my life because of who she is and her leadership in my life, and I so appreciate that. I appreciate my mom, who, although she doesn't know the Lord, taught me a lot about love, and uh, mom's both physical moms, if you have physical children on this planet, we're, we're blessed by you. And also, spiritually speaking, you have to understand what an incredible and important difference it makes that we have every person, both male and female, put, doing the call that God has placed on each one of our lives, right? Yes? Are you following with me? You know, when the, when the fall happened, that's when this kind of struggle, power struggle happened between men and women. But guess what? We are past the fall and we're past the cross, right? And, and so because of the cross, we are able to do what Paul said, that there are, is no more male and female. Now, that doesn't mean there's not... Male and females, we know there are. It means the power struggle between male and females does not exist anymore. And we could coexist in the church, working together, unified, leading together in the authority that Christ has given us. So women, moms, 
both spiritually and physically. We honor you today, and we want to pray for you. So could you stand? And can we honor the women today who serve the God and us and the church? Can we give them a clap offering? Wait, don't sit down. We're going to pray for you right now. So let's have everyone else around just lay hands on some women right now, all right? And if, if you're a woman and you, you don't have any men around you or young people around you to lay hands on you, lay hands on each other. You have authority in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you uh, for moms. We thank you for the women. And Lord, we thank you that without uh, Eve... Adam would have uh, really had a terrible existence and you planned it a certain way that the two would work together as one, unified and leading together. We honor the women of this church, the women in this room, and we pray a blessing on them in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that you would lead them forward in all that you have for them and Lord, that they would not be limited by some thought in their mind that has been placed there by a possible societal thought. And they would walk forward in the authority that you have given them for your kingdom's sake. Because, God, there are people that need the love of Jesus. And I don't know about anyone else in this room, but I think that women have an awful lot to offer in that realm. And we, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of the women of this church and the women that are here. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, have a seat. That was a sermonette. (laughs) Now we get to the sermon. (laughs) Hey, uh, we're talking about the Spirit-filled life today. There it is. Spirit-filled life today. And uh, Jay, I was uh, really excited to hear Jay talking about breaking through um, because that's, that's what we're, we're really focusing on today. We're focusing on the spirit-filled life. This is one of the great values of successful people. If you can understand how to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you will be successful because it is God's power and God's presence and his authority and his gifts and his fruit that will fill you. That makes sense, right? But oftentimes in our lives, we, 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 we walk from Sunday service to maybe having a quiet time and all these things. And, and those are the times when we connect with God. But God is saying, walk in the fullness of the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit, Paul wrote. And so we want to be able to understand how we can walk in the fullness of God. How can we persevere into his presence on a daily basis? Because that is when great success happens in our lives. And so first we want to look at the Holy Spirit in history. And and we, we look and we see that Um, In creation, the Holy Spirit was involved. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit of God is doing this creative thing. And let me tell you right now that it is the Spirit of God that moves in us each and every day. If, if you want the force of God's creative, restorative, authentic power to be in your life, then you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Doesn't that make sense? It is the same force that started this world and is the same force 
that will complete you and you will be sanctified through and through. And so we can look to that and know that, that we can have this fullness. We don't have to go from Sunday service to Sunday service or inspirational thought to inspirational thought. We can walk in the fullness of the Spirit each and every day as Paul described so well. Jesus walked in the Spirit each and every day and we can too. The Holy Spirit is creative, so very creative, and can do amazing things in our lives. I just sense prophetically right now that every person here needs to grab a hold of the concept that God has something more for me than I can imagine right now for myself. Right now, that's what the Lord is saying to you. I have something more for you than you can imagine. Allow the creative force of the power of the Spirit of Jesus that lives within you, if you know Christ, to convince you of that today because it is very true. And this breath of life that was breathed into man when he was born is something that is so powerful. It is, it is the breath of God. It's the ruach. The Hebrew word for that is breath or wind. And it was a, a physical but also a spiritual breath that, that breathed into Adam and Eve the life of God. What is the life of God? It is the life of Christ. It is Christ himself for he is the life. And so the spirit of Christ was breathed into Adam and Eve and they became a living spirit, a living force. Of course, when the fall happened, I talked a little about the fall in my little sermonette. You know, uh, the, the fall created quite a few problems. And one of them was we were cut off from that spirit, that breath of life that was breathed in us. We had physical life, but we did not have the Holy Spirit anymore living in us. And that causes quite an issue. And because of that, we, we, we don't see this amazing relationship that Adam and Eve had, we don't see it past the fall in, in their lives or in the lives of those that follow. But we do see in history that at particular times, particular people for particular reasons and tasks were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to look at this because we can see that this is God's plan to restore this process. And it was necessary to be able to break through in many areas of, uh, of history. We needed the Holy Spirit. That was the plan that man was built to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? Yeah. Man was built to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. We were cut off at the fall. But God had plans throughout history, and so he needed to do something. He needed to fill people at particular times, particular people for particular purposes to accomplish his plan in this world. And we could see some of these right now. We could see Bezael in artistic work. And here this scripture is talking about um, uh, building the tabernacle. What an amazing thing to be able to do. And this amazing 
a place where the presence of God would dwell with Israel. And they would build the ark, this amazing place that would have the mercy seat on it, the place where the forgiveness of sins would be offered year in and year out, a reminder that we need to be reconciled to God. And the design was supposed to be exactly according to pattern, the Bible says. And so because of it, Beziel was filled with the Spirit. It says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Beziel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding and knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship. Reminds me of Eric. He was filled with the Spirit, and he accomplished so many things in a very creative way. And many times, just overnight, he'd, he'd come back and say he'd, he had written several songs. Filled with the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit of God to fill us. Do you guys agree? So that, so that we can move in a creative, dynamic way in this world and set a path that no one has ever seen before for the glory of God. I'll tell you, that's what the adventure is about. When you want to know what the values of the adventure are about, is that we would be filled with the Spirit to dynamically move in a creative direction and see God do things that no one has ever seen. Isn't that exciting? That's what we're about. The next is Gideon for leadership. Here's Gideon. He's hiding, right? He's hiding and he's afraid, but then God fills him with his spirit. It says, Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abrasites to follow him. Gideon was a leader. We need leaders this day. We need people filled with the Spirit of God to lead. It's exciting when I see people in this room today that I just look at and I know that they are answering the call that God has placed in their life to lead because the Spirit of God is filling them. That is what we desperately need. In history, we see that occasionally this happened, but now because we are filled with the Spirit, we can walk in this understanding and see men and women walk in the leadership that God has called them to walk in. Will that be you today? Because God is calling us to take our stance. God is calling us to move forward in ways that we have never moved forward before so that his kingdom can come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you guys agree? Then there was Samson for strength. It says, as Samson approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards him shouting. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And the ropes on his arms became like charred flax. And the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it. And struck down a thousand men. I said the word donkey the wrong way. My wife always gets mad at me when I do that. (laughs) That's the uh, East Coast way of saying it, by the way. (laughs) But here we see Samson with the strength of God. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And stand up in the strength that God has given us. Right? That's exactly what he said before this part. He says, go in the strength you have. Be filled with the Spirit. 
I tell you today, go in the strength you have. Be filled with the Spirit. I look at Jason up here who, who leads our ministry for food for the soul. And as he goes and he feeds the, uh, those on the streets every other Friday, I'm reminded of the incredible rainstorm we had this last Friday and how they were cooking outside so that they could go serve those that need to hear the love and the power of Jesus Christ and receive a hot meal on a rainy day. That is someone and that is a team that is going in the power that they already have and the strength they have, being filled with the Spirit of God. We can do that. Not everyone's going to be a Jason, but you're going to be you going in that strength. Amen? We don't need any more Jasons. We have enough. He's got a lot of energy. Yeah, you agree? (laughs) And then there's Isaiah for prophecy. This wonderful prophecy of Isaiah. He said, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives and release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what God did through history. But as we move into this next section, we're going to talk about how this history is now for us. Do we not need to go in this same reality today and tell people, tell people this very thing that we would preach the good news to the poor? Is that not what we are about as a church? Yes? I'm riled up, you guys. I don't know about you. You're eating too much chocolate. You guys enjoying that chocolate? (laughs) To proclaim freedom for captives. Oh, my goodness. You guys. There are a lot of captives out there. Have you noticed? And they're not just at the prison or the jail. They're in our neighborhoods. They're in our families. The Spirit of God is calling to us throughout history. And it's saying today is the day that we would do what Isaiah did. And recognize that the Spirit of God is in us and we will proclaim freedom to captives. Amen. So, this is what happened through history. But then, God gave some promises for something new. Scripture says, In Jeremiah, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. The Old Testament law was something very good. It was a tutor, the Bible says, to lead us to Christ, to show us that we cannot do it externally. 
It cannot bring life change. Law cannot bring life change. It can only show deficiency. And so the promise of God was, I am going to put the law in your inner parts. The Old Testament priesthood was all about external rights and external actions. This scripture is all about the inner life of each person being transformed by the Spirit of God within us. You could be moved extrinsically, externally. The way you're moved externally is when you see a policeman on the freeway and you're going a little over the speed limit, you are moved to slow down, aren't you? (laughs) That's extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is when you are changed from the inside. Nothing on the outside is telling you to do it. Maybe everything on the outside is telling you just the opposite. But you know what you are to do, and you are moved to do it. And that's what the Spirit of God does when you contend for His presence. And then the next scripture says in in Ezekiel, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. What an amazing thing to think that God's promise is that he's going to put his spirit in us. The Old Testament me was someone who followed a bunch of rules and did not have any life. I was a kid who was anxious. I was a kid who had no clarity about what this world was. The New Testament me was someone that was, I remember that very first time being filled with the presence of God the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And and just experiencing this flood of love, this flood of assurance from God. It was pressing in on me. I thought I was going to explode from it. It was pressing down on me in a way that was almost viscerally real. It was almost physical. It would shake me because I would realize at that very moment that there was something going on inside of me that was the life of Christ. And it wasn't the external things that were moving me anymore. Now it was something internal. And I was free to live a life of following Christ. You know, there's, we're, we're, it's, the Bible says that, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And, and that reminds me of of the context in the temple, that uh, in the temple in the tabernacle, there was, there was a, a big uh, menorah, you know, a big candlestick that, that was lit constantly in the holy place. It was lit all the time. It never went out. It was always lit. It, the commandment was that it would always stay lit as a reminder of the presence of God. And just like Jay was talking about, we must contend 
for the presence of God. We cannot afford to contend for anything less. We cannot afford to contend for a nice church experience. That is not good enough. That will not change you. That will not bring you life. We cannot contend for a nice life. A good family. We must contend for the presence of God in our lives. Why am I saying this? Because I've known the Lord for 40 years, and yet it's so easy to forget that I can go into the inner room, into the presence of God on a daily basis, and stay there. And I get so easily distracted, as a person does, and just walks out and does my thing throughout the day, and I forget. Oh, my goodness. I could have been in the Holy of Holies. I could have experienced the presence of God, the fullness of God all day, and I didn't. And I wasn't condemned, and don't you be condemned. Just be reminded, this is, where you're, this is what the cross did for us. Amen. We can now, as the Bible says, approach the throne of grace with confidence. Oh, What an amazing thing to be able to approach God in confidence and be in His presence. You know, we're going to get into this story about Israel in a second, my main scripture. Yeah, we'll get to it. (laughs) The big scripture we've got to get to. Israel liked the fact that God liked them but was not very comfortable being in God's presence. We'll get to this in a minute. But they kind of appointed Moses as the intermediary. And they said, this is too scary, too intense for us. This is too much. You do it for us. Go ahead, Moses. Be a mensch. Do it for us. And and so Moses would do it. And Israel would wait. And be at the camp. We'll get to that scripture right now, I think. Let's do it. I'm going to skip this one. Okay. So what we're talking about right now is an example of Moses and, uh, and, and uh, contending for the presence of God that I think that we can use as an example for us. All right? We need to contend for the presence of God. And for Moses, he understood that. And, and the first aspect of, of this contending is understanding our assignment. Because when you understand what God has called you to do, um, you realize, mm, can't do this alone. You know, I just can't. So let's read this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. Very comforting. (laughs) Don't say this to your kids. First, God says, 
leave this place. Leave this place. God always wants us to move toward him. He is saying today to us to leave this place. He is saying for us not to leave the adventure, but to to leave the place where we are at to move forward and advance in the promises that he has for us. He is constantly saying that to us. Can't you see that? That's what a parent does. Come on, come on. Let's go forward. You have so much more. I see it. I've planned it. Leave this place and move towards God. Bible says that we should live as aliens and strangers. But we like to live as settlers. Settlers. And we settle in, in a place and we say, oh, this is nice. Let's just settle here for a while. And we, we dig ourselves in and, and have a nice comfy place. But God is always saying, leave this place. There's so much more. There's so much more that I have for you. Leave this place. Live as aliens and strangers. Then he says, and and this is why you leave. You leave to go to the land that he promised for you, right? You leave to go to his promise. You don't leave to go to wait in line somewhere at the supermarket or, or just another drudgery type of day, you, you leave to go to the promise of God. God is constantly leading us to his promise. Now, the sad thing was is that God sent an angel and not himself. That's kind of like sitting in class with a substitute teacher. It's not pleasant, right? You just kind of wonder why you're there. It's like, Nothing's really going to happen today. Nothing's going to progress today. And, you know, I think that that's probably what Moses thought. He was a little, God was trying to emphasize that he was a little upset with Israel after the golden calf incident. I think I would be too, don't you? You know, uh, the kind of picture I have of Israel, here's like a, over a million people, and they're all going forward. And, and the only thing I can really think of is, you know, uh, National Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> Here's a family road trip, right? From hell. <laughs> you do not want to be on this road trip, right? It's a terrible road trip. Look at all these people. Look what they're doing. They're building this calf. They were just told to worship God only, and then they build this calf to worship it. Oh, my goodness. You ever be on a, have you ever been on a bad road trip? We went, to, we went on one to, uh, to uh, Steamboat Springs that we were all excited about, but everybody was in a bad mood the whole way there. You know, it's just a bad road trip, you know. I remember when the kids were little, we were, we were constantly, every 10 minutes, having to get out to go. What They thought they had to go to the bathroom. They didn't have to. They just had to get out. You know, road trips cannot be that much fun sometimes. And, and I'll tell you, Moses and Israel and God were on a really bad road trip here. They really were. I 
I don't think they were going to make it to Disneyland. What do you think? <laughs> All right, so that's, that's the assignment. This is the assignment that Moses was given, was to leave and to go into the promise, to take uh, this rabble-rousing group with him, and he, he was going to go with an angel. An angel was going to be the substitute teacher to make it happen uh, because uh, God was just going to be too upset about the whole thing. And then we see the setup. This is the setup. So what do we mean for the setup? This is, this is kind of setting up uh, the relationship that Moses and, and God had for what will happen in the next section. And so it's important to know Moses' life with God. And, and uh, because he, he imposes on God quite intensely in, in the next section. So we have to understand this relationship. It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out of the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tent, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all worshipped, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. He's the smart one. So this section is a description of Moses' life with God, his relationship with God. God wanted us to understand this. For when we see the next section, we will understand why. But here in verse 10, we see that the people would be at their tents, but Moses would speak to God face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Here are the two differences. This is contending for the presence of God. And this is being okay coming to a Sunday service or watching a Christian TV show or reading a Christian book or even reading the Bible without contending for the presence of God. Did I just challenge your thought on that? (laughs) Good. We must be in his presence. They look at Moses as this mediator, like I talked about, between them and God. At one point, they were invited into this intimacy, but they chose not to because it was too scary. It was too elusive for them. I don't know why we do this. Do you? That we could walk on the surface of life day after day, and connect in every once in a while with the life of God or hear something religious and and think that's it. When we can have something so much more rich, so much more wonderful. This is how we find the power of God, the grace of God. Face to face, plainly, clearly, no barriers, vulnerable, as a man speaks with his friend, 
I want that. I don't know about you guys. Do you want that? Yes. We want the presence of God. This is not some elusive thing. Jay mentioned it. Sometimes you do hit a barrier, but you just press, press in. The cross has broken down any barriers. Amen? Any barriers. So any issue is just happening in us. And guess who's able to break it down? If he is able to break down the dividing wall between us and him, he is certainly able to resolve anything inside of us that is not connecting with his power and his grace. He can do that, don't you think? Proximity is important, you guys. You know, there's a proximity principle. Did you know that? It's something I learned. When, you know, I have, I have a wonderful family and they all live in California. And I can, when, when I was living in California, we would see each other all the time and we would be much closer. Now I live in Utah and they're in California, hundreds of miles away. And our closeness can only be as much as we connect. So even, I call my mom every day. I'm a good Jewish boy. <laughs> I call her every day. I call my sister regularly, not every day. But our relationship is limited by proximity. And, and this principle is very true. Studies provide evidence to support the fact that people who encounter each other more frequently tend to develop stronger relationships. And so if you're going to say, Moses, you be the mediator. Pastor, you be a mediator. Leader, you be the mediator for me. You get the meat and give it to me. Then I say you are missing out on the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Moses was regularly in the presence of God. The negotiation. So here's Moses in this, in this very intimate relationship with God. And Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this is your nation. This is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked. You can tell they have a good relationship, huh? Come on, God. Come on, you gave me this terrible task. This is so hard. This is the worst road trip I've ever been on. I need you. I don't want a sub. I don't want an angel. I need your presence. I need it. Moses pleads with God. He uses all the leverage he can. He says, if you're pleased with me, do it. I'm pleased with you, Moses. Okay. He says, remember, these are your people. He's using every argument he can. 
Come on, God. Come with us. I mean, think about it. This is an impossible task he was given. And God was saying, I'm not going with you. And here is Moses in great clarity, knowing that if you don't go, please don't send us because we cannot do this without you. Finally, God says yes. He'll send his spirit. But Moses is still worried. (laughs) And he still cries out, please, please. And he contended for the presence of God. Folks, we need to contend for the presence of God. In a society that is dominated by electronics and distractions and all kinds of things in this world that will tempt us and distract us, our attention from what's real and what's true, we need to do something that is very important. This is what one of the great values of the adventure is, contending for the spirit-filled life, contending for the presence of God. And then, how will anyone know? I love this part of the argument. How will anyone know that you're pleased with us? When the presence of God is with us, the pleasure of God is evident in our souls, right? When when you have a fullness of the Spirit of God, the pleasure of God is there. You sense it. You sense your identity and who you are. I'm sensing right now that there's several people here that need to have a touch of the presence of God so they could once again remember who they are as a child of God, loved by God, that God dances over you with joy. And then he he says, what's going to distinguish us? What is going to distinguish us? When the Spirit is filling us, there is a great distinguishing factor. And we could have the worship team come on up. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. When you're filled with the Spirit, that distinguishes you as this. This is who you are. If you want to know who you are, if you want to know what you're about, if you want to know why you are on this planet, it is because of this. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You belong to God. You belong to God. But it doesn't end there. You are this, that, that. You are this, that. You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have the whole understanding of who we are right here. When you're filled with the Spirit, you are distinguished as this type of person. 
walk in this fullness. Why is this so important for us to learn? Because just like Moses, we have been given an impossible task, whatever it is. What's your impossible task? You might be thinking about some difficult things in your life. Family issues, health issues, finance issues, emotional issues. Those are some difficult things. That's only part. You have been called to proclaim the praises of him who has called you into his presence. And that is an impossible task without the presence of God. The end of that calling, though, is the promises of God, right? You're called out, leave this place to come in to the promise that God has for us. But guess what? There's a lot of ites in front of you as well, right? The Hittites, the Amorites. What's your Hittites? What's your Amorites? Lies in your head? Someone in your life? An addiction? What are your rights today that God wants to set, get rid of and see you war against by the power and fullness of the Spirit because God's presence is with you? And we have the promise of His presence because of the Holy Spirit. We're going to respond to the Lord first through this song. So why don't you stand right now? We're going to worship the Lord with this song. And I want to encourage you to contend right now in your, in your heart. All right? This is what Moses said. If your spirit, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. I encourage you to make that your prayer. Holy Spirit, if you don't go with me, don't send me. I need you. Can you make that your prayer today as we worship with this uh, song? And then, then we'll pray after. Lord, we pray that now. We just cry out to you, Lord. If you don't go with us, don't send us, Lord. Can you just cry out to the Lord right now? He has so much more for us. Look at the example of Moses who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, saw 10 miracles, and yet was crying on his knees, begging, God, I need you. God, I need your presence. There's no way I can do this life without you, God. We cry out to you today. Thank you, God, that this is one of your great values for our lives. And because of the cross that, that we can have access to your spirit, not just occasionally throughout different times for different purposes, but each and every day we can walk in the presence of your spirit. While we're praying right now, I just want to give you opportunity. If, if God is just reaching your soul right now, and what, maybe, maybe it's that you... You want to say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord. You want forgiveness of sins. You want to be able to walk in this type of relationship, this powerful, awesome love that God has for us. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you've been walking on the surface as a Christian. You've been skimming like a rock on the surface of a lake. 
But God is saying, go deep with him and connect in in relationship. Connect in with his presence. Could you just raise your hand if that's you in any of those categories? Just raise your hand. Good, good, good. Lord God, we just pray for each person that's raising their hand. We ask God that you would move in a powerful way. We thank you that the barrier is broken and you are calling us, beckoning us into your presence. There is no dividing wall. There is no barrier. We can approach the throne of God, the throne of grace with confidence. We ask you to fill us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. Let it be a major part of how we move forward as a church in this new season filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Have a great Mother's Day. God bless you.